0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot lcom slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just one dollar, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing draft. I play golf, I play NFL, basketball. You can play them um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's there's running leagues. You win one night, it keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You gotta enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Best With Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Bench with Bubba, episode 85, joined tonight by a special guest from Friends with Fantasy Benefits, Fangraphs, Baseball HQ. You can find him on Twitter, at Mike Werner, FWFB. Mike, how we doing, man?
2: Doing great. I mean, we made it through a little bit over a week in baseball, so I'm, I'm pretty excited that the season's underway, and I appreciate you having me on, man.
1: No, no, no problem. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, people don't know how the the sausage is made a lot, but we were supposed to record last week, and, and Mike uh, was was able to be flexible with my chaotic schedule, and we booked it for tonight, so we're ready to rock and roll. And it worked out kind of well because there's a lot of craziness that took place over the weekend, and one of them will kick it off with is Eugenio Suarez fracturing his thumb, going to be out for quite some time. I guess it's not as bad, quote unquote, as it could have been, but it's still not great by any means, and. No, Nick Sinzel is not coming up yet. They called up Alex Blandino. Um, How do you approach either A, Eugenio Suarez, whenever he returns, and or B, fill in for the meantime?
2: Uh yeah, I mean Suarez has been pretty consistent the last couple of years. I I think the Reds from their standpoint they're going to start using Cliff Pennington more either at third base or wherever they want to throw him in the infield, but for fancy purposes he really doesn't serve a lot for us. Um I think if you you are a Suarez guy then you probably need to look for somebody that's just, I don't know, like even Corey Spangenberg, I play in a lot deeper leagues. So, you know, NL onlys and 20 teamers is where I've found a lot of like Corey Spangenberg types. And um, he does a little bit of everything. It's not great. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried, though, about anybody that hurts their anything on their hands because it drives yeah. me crazy in terms of power and all that stuff. And Suarez has been a pretty consistent power bat the last couple of years. So I'm overall, I'm not really optimistic about Suarez the rest of the season. There's not much you can do as a fantasy owner other than just pick somebody up and kind of ride it out until he returns. But if you're a Senzel owner, I still think you're going to be waiting a while because the Reds have no reason to bring him up quite yet.
1: Yeah. And then that's the thing you mentioned, the hand injuries and those are always just dreadful when it comes to power. And if you drafted Suarez, you drafted him late for that power upside. That's pretty much all you were doing there. And, um, you know you, you got guys maybe it depends on your league because i played a lot of 15 teamers so deep deep leagues kind of like you don't know, tw- go to the 20 team realm of things but you should 15 terrible <laughs> yeah, it seems like I, i've been in one 20 team league one time and it was just like pulling my the last hairs i had out was pulling them out um but what about guys like brian anderson from uh, miami i don't want to go as far as saying Luis we because that's just terrifying but um you know, Derek Dietrich, stuff like maybe on Harris, Solarte, players like that. Would those resonate with you at all?
2: I mean, I like Solarte for multiple reasons. No standout quality, but somebody that kind of gives you a little bit of production across the board. Brian Anderson, I kind of, I kind of like. I don't think that he's somebody we're going to be able to rely on all year. But I do think the Marlins have no reason to bench him yep. at any time. Um, not an overwhelmingly awesome prospect, but somebody that does have a little bit of pop, a little bit of plate skills. So I, I do like Anderson. I still would put Spangenberg ahead, even though the production hasn't been in favor of Spangenberg to this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all just kind of middle level guys. So, you know, Val Wayne, I wouldn't recommend unless you just need power, but really you can find power anywhere. Um, you know, maybe I know Drew Robinson. Robinson for Texas is available at third base and outfield eligible in ESPN formats. I don't know about others. Um, so maybe you could kind of go there. I do like Robinson in a couple different ways, so I would put him in favor of Spangenberg. But um, like I said, most of the time, fancy owners are already drafted. At least a lot of the people that have messaged me about this situation have been saying that they have somebody to fill that spot already. They're more or less just looking for any hitter to pick up. Um, and most of the time, it's not going to be one of these guys. So. That's uh,
1: true because, again, so late in the draft, he's probably a corner infielder or a utility player for you. Um, you mentioned Nick Senzel, and I can't just walk past that because everybody loved him. You know, there's a the slight chance he might have made the team coming out of spring. They have not played a million positions. They haven't played second base in the minors right now. And you mentioned they have no reason to bring him up, and I completely agree. They could bring him up the 13th or 14th year, like the Cunha's coming up and, you know, get that extra year. But I heard something along the lines of maybe June, he gets another year of service time out of him. And why would the Reds bring him up? So, yeah, I, I agree that could be just – there's no need to do that.
2: It kind of worries me, though, that he, they keep moving him around. It kind of gives that. me the impression that he doesn't have a position. Yeah. And the fact that he wasn't the guy that was brought up – instead, they brought up Alex Blandito, who was a first-round pick out of, I believe, Stanford um, a couple of years back. Like, I, it just kind of worries me a bit about Senzel, who a lot – I'm not as high on him as other people are, but um I, I think you have to be a little bit kind of not worried, but just a little bit hesitant just based on the fact that he doesn't have a position yet.
1: Yeah, and that's kinda of like the Kingery thing is I love how Kingery is, but they keep jumping him around. That's gotta make you think at least a little bit. But yeah, Bladino, a first round pick out of Stanford in 2014. So the pedigree on paper looks to be there. Uh, just quick glance at baseball reference that is minor stats. He's like a maybe ten homer guy seven to ten steals. So, yeah, nothing to go running to your waiver wire for just yet. Um, I'm going to jump around on the outline real quick since we are talking about third basemen. Let's talk about two that got, you know, the waiver wires just rolling this last week. And to me it was kind of chuckle-worthy, and I don't know how you feel on it, but Christian Villanueva had a three-homer game for the Padres. And yet Matt Davidson, um, you know, having his big start to the season, one would say. And everybody's just spinning all the fab they can on them. A, are those two guys – you could see filling in for Suarez on your roster. B, do you want anything to do with these guys? Cause I could easily see both of them just disappearing in a week.
2: Uh, Villanueva, I'm still not buying in any type of way. Davidson, we knew he had power and mm-hmm. he did make some contact games in the second half of 2017. So it's not to say that he, that like all is lost with him, but you know, since that first game, he went over in what five five of his next seven. Um, So, like, it, it, we know that's what the way it's going to be with him. He struck out in every game except for two this year. I'm just, I, I think Davidson is going to get a long leash because they really, I mean, may, maybe they bring up Eloy at some point in the next couple of months and maybe he loses some playing time there, but they're still playing guys like Nikki Delmonico. And I, I mean, it's it, to me, Davidson's a pretty safe option in terms of playing time, but the power is all you're getting from him. The White Sox lineup is kind of touch and go. Um, but I would choose Davidson over Villanueva because uh, as much as Villanueva does have, has made some improvements to his game the last year or so, I, I think he's just playing because they have no other options at the current moment. And um, he did, I think, hurt his wrist the other day too. So it's kind of – I just don't buy him in any way.
1: Yeah, Villanueva just makes me kind of scratch my head because he he's played every day before he got, like, banged up a little bit. He was playing every day after the three-homer game, so it kind of made some people feel a little, a little better about things. But at the same time, it's like, okay, this is a journeyman. He's not really super young like some of these other prospects. And like you said, the Padres just don't have anybody yet. These guys, like tonight Chase Headley's starting in Coors Field over Villanueva. So it pretty much tells you all you need to know about if he was a kid they wanted to try, they'd be running him out there. Um the Mets got an amazing blow or I'm not blow, but a return uh, with Michael Conforto getting activated to me super early. I was thinking June at the earliest, maybe mid-May. He came back extremely early. We know he took uh Strasburg deep. Um, the main question I hear, because we all know Conforto should be just fine. He looks to be healthy, so on and so forth. What do you do with a guy like Brandon Nemo? Because he, everyone was kind of getting pumped on him. He's great spring, good start to the season. Now he's
2: kind of a platoon guy, but you never know. The Mets are always hurt. So, what do you do with a guy like Nemo? <laughs> well, first with Conforto, he was like probably one of the best draft day bargains. Uh, oh, yeah. a um, probably going to lead off every time against right hand hitter or right hand pitchers. Um, always has displayed great skills whenever he's on the field. And I, the fact that he made it back so early is is awesome. Like I, I, I'm rooting for a guy like Conforto just to kind of put it together for a whole year. Maybe this will, in fact, be the season after he gets his you know shoulder repaired and everything. But um, Nimo, I'm not too tantalized with. I never really have been. I know he's been kind of one of the upper echelon prospects for the Mets because they just really don't have a lot of options. But, um, you know, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, uh, the plate skills I'm not in love with. Um, he does have carry, he did carry a pretty good babbit last year, but that led him to, you know, a 260 batting average. I mean, pretty high ground ball tilt in terms of his actual uh, bad ball profile as well. I mean, it's, I, I'm not really too interested in Brandon Nemo. I, I, you know, he is 25 years old, and maybe if there is another injury to the outfield at some point, then he gets a little bit bigger run. You do have guys like Cespedes and Jay Bruce out there, but uh, I'm not really interested in Nemo for the most part
1: yeah no, I don't blame me at all on that. Uh, I was kind of excited on Nemo draft season thinking Conforto is going to be out for a while you get him like in the last round kind of in a deep deep league obviously, and play with it a little bit. but uh like it was i think two two and a half weeks before the season was starting up and those later drafts, you started seeing the reports that Conforto on the minor league fields right now. You started to watch these little reports come out and i I remember tweeting that out I was getting a little excited going, okay, if you can get him in the you know teens? jump because we all know how good he can be i don't want to talk about your co-host who got him for dirt cheap and tout wars that was ridiculous yeah but um (laughs) that was that's that was like highway robbery but um yeah beautiful stuff there let's talk Kristen yelich uh one of the many darlings of some of the bigger industry names out there coming into the draft season obviously traded from Marlins, to the brew crew. And um, if we wanted to get a full-time job for Domingo Santana, this wasn't exactly how we thought about doing it. But um, 10-day DL, oblique injury. Oblique injuries scare me a lot. So what's your thoughts here with Yelich?
2: Yeah, oblique injuries and wrist slash hand injuries yeah. for hitters are definitely kryptonite. It's terrible. It, um, it really r- really saps a lot of their power. Yelich, man, he was um, doing very, very well to put it kind of slightly yeah. for him. He, I think that this is something that we're going to have to monitor. If you have Yelich, there's nothing you can do with him. You can't trade him unless you have somebody that is willing to kind of buy – if it's a little bit lower than it was on draft day. Um, but I really haven't seen that in the majority of my leagues. People are still really holding strong with him because he got off to such an amazing start. Um, Domingo Santana, like you said, is the main beneficiary of this because, you know, Ryan Braun was already playing pretty consistently. Eric Thames has been tearing the cover off the ball recently. Um, so Santana is obviously the guy that really benefits from this. Brett Phillips got called up from the minors. It, we really don't know how, how long he's going to be out. I would assume that Yelich is the type of guy that's going to really try and press things and get back as soon as possible. Um, I really don't want him to do that because that's a possibility for him to get reaggravated and have a whole slew of other problems. But in the meantime, I would, um, you know, there's a lot of outfielders out there that you can use and it's not really going to be that hard on your team just because it's been so early in the season. But hopefully he comes back when I, I'm usually with obliques, I'm hoping within three weeks, four weeks, somewhere in that vicinity. So hopefully he comes back pretty good to go after that.
1: Yeah, it's kind of what it feels like. They said minor, ten day DL, but you know, getting back to to where he should be is probably about a month. That makes a lot of sense, and hopefully, those just seem to re get reaggravated so easy, and it's just I don't like it at all. It sucks because he was off to a great start, as you were saying. Nelson Cruz is on the DL for the Mariners. He should be returning later this week, I believe. But um, Ryan Healy got injured exercising after the game. Note to to kids out there, this is why you don't exercise. It's very simple. Um, You can be big like me and just talk about sports. It's so much easier. Um, But he gets hurt after the game, and the biggest beneficiary, in my opinion, let me know if I'm wrong and if there's someone else or what your thoughts on this are, this opens up some serious playing time for Dan Vogelbach, which I know I've been one, you know, Nate Dawkins and some others. We've been on the Vogelbach bandwagon, and – it seems he's going to get it, and he's. He had a few games with the trees out. He played really well. So, what's your thoughts on
2: Vogelbach? Is he worth you know grabbing? What, what's your what's your thing here? Absolutely, he's worth grabbing. Give this guy a shot, man. Like I, yeah. I don't understand why they traded for him in the first place from the Cubs if they weren't going to use him. And you know, obviously, he is somebody that you want to use against right hand pitching. Always really good in terms of walk rate and stuff in the minor leagues. Not insane amount of power, but it, because he's big, everybody assumes he's like Babe Ruth out there. He's going to hit 70 home runs. But I, I love a pickup on Vogelbach right now. I wasn't a Healy fan coming into the season. Nelson Cruz I love, and he's going to be back on Friday, and you know he's going to be great the rest of the year. But um, Vogelbach I have in multiple formats because I was hoping for, not necessarily an injury, but for some type of scenario where he gets a significant amount of playing time. Um, in my opinion, if he gets – you know, even 350 at bats this year, then he's a possibility to hit 20 home runs and have a really good on base percentage clip as well. So the contact's going to be a problem. So in regular average formats or five by five, then you might have a little bit of a detriment to your batting average category there. But in on base percentage leagues, I think that he, especially in like 15 team formats or deeper, he's an automatic pickup if he's not already on somebody's team. And um, I think that he's going to do well.
1: For some reason, if someone doesn't really know who Dan Vogelbach is, for some reason, A, hey, Google him. He's just this beachly individual that crushes baseballs. Yeah. Um, they got him, I believe, from the Cubbies a year or two ago. And, um, yeah, when they traded for Healy, I had no clue what the Mariners were doing. But most of the moves the Mariners make you kind of scratch your head anyways. But um, the best comparison I can give, and tell me if this makes any sense, he looks like a younger maybe forming into Justin Bohr. That's who he reminds me of.
2: A little bit. They big dude that crushes. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I always got him and Schwarber mixed up when they were on the Cubs, like just in terms of – When they were both there, like in Iowa together or something? Yeah, oh, just in yeah. terms of appearance alone. But uh, tra- Schwarber's better. I'm not saying <laughs> they're not like the same yeah. player. But um, I- I'm just happy he's going to get at least a little bit of a shot. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I think he'll do well.
1: Yeah, No, I'm <laughs> all for that. I like that take. Uh, Preston Tucker of the Atlanta Braves is – Starting the world on fire. People don't know him. He was a prospect with the Astros at one point in time. Now with the Braves, he's hitting 370, two homers, nine ribbies, only uh, six strikeouts. To me, it's not bad for a youngster in 27 at-bats. He's getting the job done. Problem is the job part because Ronald Acuna will probably take it this weekend. Um, what's your take on Tucker? Because you're in the TGFBI, and I know I saw him going for over 100 bucks, 120 bucks this past weekend. And in all reality, this could be for four more days.
2: Yeah, there's I, there's two types of people in this world: the people that believe Acuna is going to be up sometime in the next week, and the people that don't. And uh, Justin and I are uh, have always been in the camp, even since you know the beginning of the year, really, when we started really diving into to baseball for this season. That he's just not going to be up that fast. I the Braves have no reason to do it, and I, unless they are going to sign him to a a long term extension prior to bringing him up, I I just don't see the or, or understand the reason for it. Um, they do have a better offense this year. I'll give them that, but there's no way they're competing in that division. There's no way they're com- competing in the NL. The pitching isn't ready. There's just, there's no realistic, just logistically. It doesn't make sense to me. And it really hasn't since again, really diving into baseball going into this season. So I'm of the opinion that Tucker is going to get another couple, maybe month or two of stol- solid regular at-bats against right hand pitching. Um, Acuna, if he comes up is obviously going to completely uh, throw away those plans and, you know, I'll be wrong and I'll completely kind of cop to that. But until Acuna is up and really mashing, I'm going to stay steadfast in my opinion, that Preston Tucker is probably going to get a good amount of playing time. And is probably going to do decently well because of the short ports over there at SunTrust. And because he's always been kind of a decent power hitter, not somebody that's going to, you know, really win you a league or something, but he's, he's all right. Fill in or stopgap option until Acuna is ready. And who's to say that Acuna doesn't struggle in AAA from now, you know, in, over the next couple months, or doesn't struggle in the major leagues. What if he comes up and does a Trout, where you know he just hits one hundred for a matter of two months or something, and they send him back down, you know? And all of a sudden, how does he re- rebound from that? Because he's never really truly struggled. There is just a lot of things to to worry about with Acuna that uh, you just don't really have to worry about with Tucker because he's always already been through the ringer to this point. You know, he's just kind of a minor minor level prospect that never was really amounted to be a starter, and now he is. And I mean, he's fine, but I, I just don't get it with Acuna.
1: That's one of the first or fewer times I've heard that a take because it seems everywhere you turn, it's thirteenth, fourteenth, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So that that's uh, that's why I like doing these. That, that was good. That was well, that I, took me by surprise. Uh,
2: like the 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 lead fr- prospect guy at Friends with Fancy Benefits is Matt Thompson, and well, I, well, you well, know. I I love the guy to death. And, you know, him and I have done a ton of prospect shows in the past. And not last year, but the year before, we were really touting Acuna. So there, there's nobody that loves him more than, than Matt and I. We love the guy to death. But um, he's just – it's not that he's not ready for the major release, He's certainly probably close to it. It's just it doesn't make sense to me. And on top of that, we haven't seen him struggle yet. So I, I just don't want it to seem like I'm trying to be a hipster about this and not like Acuna because no, he comes up no, and no, does no. well. Like, I'm going to be the first one standing up and chanting his name because I love the guy. But at the same time, I just don't – it just doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, because I, when I gave my preseason predictions that no one listened to, um, <laughs> I, I, I said the Braves were basically a year away. So I, I was, I'm was. i with you there 100% because that pitching is atrocious. And they didn't plan for to be there. They made those trades for a reason so they could free up cash later. Baseball 101. So, yeah, completely agree with what you're saying there. I I just didn't factor that in because me especially – the reason I think it's even more interesting now is you said their offense is off to a hot start, and I saw like Richard Justice from MLB was tweeting out the stats earlier today. They are like the best offense in all of baseball right now. So it almost makes you want you in there. Even with the bad pitching, can they make a run? Because that ballpark plays live in the summertime. But maybe you can answer me this because this is the problem I had with Nick Zell earlier. Is there like a June cutoff where he gets an extra year of service time, or what's the cutoff line? I know there's like a couple different stepping points throughout the season. Do you know what those are by chance?
2: Um, I'm terrible at those rules, so I'll, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I all think yeah, no, I usually it's, say it's like a murky, murky water. water. Yeah, I I haven't dove in enough to really like get yeah. that to a science or anything, so I'm the wrong guy to ask. But I know it's sometime no, in June. of all
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's murky water. So I was like, I was talking to Paul Martin about it today. I said. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, Senzel comes up in June just because, like, again, like you said, what do the Reds have to lose? Like, what do the Braves have to lose? So, interesting. Um, Let's talk Michael Brantley of the Cleveland Indians, the often-injured Michael Brantley. He got activated, um, and Tyler Naquin was sent down to AAA, but he's back up now. Chisholm Hall's on the DL. We know if Brantley's healthy, he's a darn good hitter. What is your take on Brantley, though?
2: um over under on at bats for this year i will put it at um let's see actually i'm gonna look at my projections and see what i have i think i had him somewhere in the vicinity of like 300 at bats which is probably decent probably yeah pretty accurate for who he's yeah. coming i have him at 380 in terms of at bats for this year which put him at nine home runs 11 stolen bases almost a 300 batting average probably 15 team mixed league viable um, while he's on the field at the same time, just so many ailments and maybe he doesn't steal as much. And maybe he finally starts seeing some skills erosion because he has all these injuries over the years. I've never been a Brantley guy. I don't think I've owned him possibly ever in fantasy maybe at some point like as like a waiver wire ad in the early years before he became you know kind of michael brantley in a nutshell but um just i'm not interested i think that there's going to be other guys that you can pick up as the season goes along and he's just going to be filling a spot for you that might be consistent but also at the same time they're probably going to give him plenty of rest um there's also the massive possibility that he gets injured at some point and misses significant time i'm just i'm really not interested
1: and with that being said, because I agree with everything you said there, I can I, I see him getting hurt again. When you look up injury-prone in the baseball dictionary, his picture should be there somewhere because uh-huh. he is injury-prone. But, um, you know, Tyler Naquin doesn't light the world on fire, but he does have a decent pedigree. And we're talking 15 teamers where Brantley has a say. you got Chisholm Hall's out four to six weeks, maybe longer. Would you rather take a gamble on
2: a guy like Tyler Naquin or Michael Brantley or neither? Well, definitely Brantley over Naquin, and I, I like Naquin, okay. former first round pick himself. Um, but he just he doesn't make enough contact, and he's just he's got a lot of holes in his swing, so he's not consistent enough for me to add in you know really fifteen team mix formats. But I, you know, that's it's it's really tough because Chisenhall being out really makes it forces the Indians to use Naquin probably more than they want to. Um, but Amazing. from a fanci- a pure fancy perspective, Brantley is the guy over Naquin. It's it's not really close in that aspect. It's just more the durability piece.
1: Okay, um, Franklin Barreto finally got called up. Chad Chad Pender uh, sent to the uh, DL, unfortunately, because he got off to a pretty good start. Same time he is only playing versus lefties, and it makes me feel like you know you're bringing Barreto up, which he'll probably only play versus lefties, which I guess is better than what the Rockies are doing with Ryan McMahon, which is a whole other podcast in itself. But yeah. um, Franklin Barreto, everybody loves him. He's one of their top offensive prospects, at least ready to be a fan obviously had some ups and downs in his first go-around last, last year. What's your take on Bredo right now? Because this could easily be, you know, Pender gets back, Breto sent down. Is there enough playing time, so on and so forth?
2: Yeah, I think he is an add and ale only at least yeah. right now just to see what happens because he has had some pretty decent success in the minor league. I don't think he's a thirty stolen base guy, which he did a couple times—once with the Blue Jays system and and once with the Athletics when he was in Double A. But um, I do think fifteen fifteen-ish somewhere in that region is is certainly in the cards for him. His plate skills are good enough for him to probably hit somewhere in the vicinity of like two seventy five two eighty consistently as a major leaguer, and that that will play, you know, uh, especially in kind of fifteen team mix. Whenever he does get a full time job, that's going to play for him. Fifteen fifteen, two seventy five, two eighty ish area, but. Um, for now, I would add them just as a speculation ad because I, I do think that Lowry and, and Semyon are going to man second shortstop. Matt Chapman's playing really good defense for the most part at third base, except for some errant throws here and there. Um, but... Barretto is at least an add in deeper formats just to see what happens. See if they give him some playing time. See if he is able to work his way into the lineup. You never know. There might be an injury to Jed Lowry, who miraculously has stayed somewhat healthy for the last year or two. Um, But overall, Barretto, he's ready. Um, He just doesn't really have a clear path to playing time quite quite yet. So if you are adding him, just do it with the intention that you might be dropping him fairly soon or quickly if um, he doesn't get some playing time.
1: And that's the best advice right there is got to be willing to add and drop him if you have to because – big add this. I, I was actually shocked he was available in so many leagues because I always found him as a great, like, last-minute middle infield option because he's been consistently good while healthy, like you said. Simeon's not going anywhere. Chapman, so you already hit the three positions. It, it, it's almost like you'd rather than bring someone else up and let Brettel get every day at bats in Nashville. But I guess he's got nothing else to prove there, so maybe an opening happens and there you go. Um, one I did not have on the outline because it literally happened like 20 minutes ago and got a free free go with this one. The Red Sox placed Xander Bogarts on the DL, and the MLB trade rumors explanation of the injury is small crack in the talus bone in his left ankle. Um, he's in a walking boot. This doesn't sound good at all. They're saying he's out 10 to 14 days. This sounds like a lot longer to me, and they called up Wee Lin, who actually was quasi-productive last year I don't think it's fantasy relevant but I know I used him in DFS a lot when he's like 2200 bucks but um this is pretty bad because Bogart's got off to a smoking start at um kind of replacement wise well I guess um well, first off what do you think of the injury if you have any takes on it, if you've looked at it at all
2: I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I don't like the sound. I did see the injury live because I am a Rays fan, and as bad as they are, I continue to watch their games, and I will until my dying oh, okay. day. Um, but bless you, yeah. You know, Bogarts really did it on a hustle play, which is you know an old kind of was it Matthew Berry like on the fantasy focus was like don't hustle or whatever the joke was with that. But like Bogarts was really just trying to uh, make a play, and he obviously hurt himself in the process. Say that the Red Sox are right, and even if it's on the long end—14 days to you know even 20, 25 days, a month, whatever it might be—the the the real harm to all this is that Bogarts was really off to a great start after having a disappointing 2017. And I I had a lot of—I still have a lot of shares of him. It's really unfortunate. Um, There was just a different presence about him. He was taking a more aggressive approach. He was lofting the ball more. Like there's these all signs that he was going to have a pretty great season like uh, very similar to 2016 and it's very unfortunate this happened um in the meantime swiss army knife brock holt is probably going to find another way to 300 plus at-bats 400 plus at-bats whatever it might be depending on what happens um in terms of this injury for bogarts i don't really see the red Sox signing anybody quite yet um but you know i'm I'm making it sound like bogarts is out the rest of the season let's just play it by ear hopefully he comes back and everything's okay but i would say in the short term, when he does come back, that the soul and base opportunities is probably going to go down, and that's that's unfortunate to his value because he hasn't been a double digit guy in that area the last few years. Um, I think he even topped out at fifteen last year, so he's improved in that area. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely disappointed about this. This is um, e- even though I hate the Red Sox with every bone in my body, I uh, I do love Xander Bogarts, and this is uh tough to see. So,
1: yeah, that's a rough one. Let me name off a. Just a couple shortstops, and after each one, just kind of tell me if this is a guy you'd even be willing to try or not. Uh,
2: Nick Ahmed. No. I mean, I know he's been great thus far, but yeah. no.
1: Uh, Azuriel Cabrera.
2: If I need it, if I was in a deep format and I just needed at-bats, yes.
1: Oletimus Diaz.
2: I would ride the wave while it's hot because Tulo has no chance of coming back anytime soon. So, you know, I'd ride it while it's hot, yeah.
1: And last one I'll ask you, because this is just the old standard old man that continues to be quasi-productive, Freddie Gallows.
2: Yeah, why not? He's going to get playing time in uh, San Diego. I think, again, these the, all these guys are pretty much deep league only. Um, i tell you what the real savvy move is, is you find a way to kind of – trade Bogarts and another piece to get Tim Anderson and another piece, because I, I really believe in Anderson this year. And obviously he's had a great start. So it's really easy for me to say, but like, I, I think that this could be the year that he finally kind of puts it together. Not a big OBP guy, but I, I think if you can find a way to get Anderson on your team, that you're going to be doing well. No, I
1: like that. I like that a lot. I got him on my, TGFBI team, and I'm going to watermark that moment to let Yancey you know, Eaton know that you could, you endorsed him as well, because <laughs> I, I caught a lot of flack for Tim Anderson doesn't do anything for a fantasy team. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I remind him about that regularly. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about roto It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The, no other brand can compete with roto in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. If you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's take a little pitching talk here before we wrap it up. Uh It seems to me, I think there's something either wrong with just the way we're measuring velocity these days, and maybe you have an opinion on this or you just don't care, but it seems almost every day I wake up and there's like 14 new pitchers that have lower velocity than they had last season, and the book just gets bigger and bigger and bigger to where it almost feels like it's not like a player thing, it's more just technology, or I don't know how to explain it, but what are you doing with all this velo talk?
2: Um, it. I really right now at this point in the season, I don't really consider a lot of the velocity drops unless it's like two to three miles an hour down. And then when I do see something like that, I will go to last April and see what their velocity was then. And then a lot of times it'll kind of correct itself. You know, if I see that somebody average for the year in 2017, 95 miles an hour on their fastball, and right now they're starting off at 92, and I look at last April for them, and they were in the 93 range, then I'm not really going to make a big deal out of it. Um, if it's significant, and then there wasn't a significant difference from last year, um, then that's that's where I might look at it twice, and then I'll kind of dive into the skills a bit. I'll dive into the game log, what actually happened. Like Somebody like Alex Colome right now, he doesn't have a velocity dip, but like he is not able to generate strikeouts, and his pitches are on a are just worse as of right now. So, I mean, if you can kind of find out the reason why and dive in a little bit to each pitcher that I think that would give you a little bit more color as to what's actually happening as opposed to just a velocity drop. Um, you know, velocity is going to be kind of touch and go right now because it is the beginning of the season. A lot of pitchers are coming back from injuries or they, you know, some guys like Jake Arrieta and Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb, that you know, they didn't pitch this whole offseason more than likely. Um, so you're looking at a situation where you're going to have to really dive into what they're doing, what their pitch counts are, what repertoire they're using, you know, and and whether that stuff is still going to kind of play as the season goes along. So in, in a nutshell, I don't really care about the velocity drop unless it um, kind of echoes the same um, sentiment from the season before where you know they or it doesn't echo the same sentiment from the season before where there's just a massive stark difference that we should actually be a little bit concerned about.
1: No, that's a good point because you know yeah you mentioned Lynn and Cobb and like with Kelly Jansen I'm kind of I'm watching it but not concerned because he really didn't pitch all spring He he's basically using right now as his spring training in my opinion um, I believe it was Eno Saris on The Athletic came out with an article about um, April's velocity is usually down a mile to two miles an hour, and you kind of just watch in the next couple of months, like you're saying, and, and we'll keep an eye on it. That's a good point about looking back on last April. I mean, for some reason didn't even put two and two together there, but that's a an easy way to look at it. It makes a lot of sense to kind of to get your your bearings on it. Let's talk about a couple um just pitchers. We can just quick hit these guys, starting pitchers that have got off to quick starts and they're not all going to be um, – we're not going to talk about them all, but a guy like Mike fulton is a guy I never get correct ever in my lifetime. Um, yeah. And he's had two really good starts, the velocity. Talking about velocity, he's looking good. He's locating – I didn't even notice it was him one night when I was watching TV because he was looking that good. What's your thoughts on fulton Is You know, he's only 26, so maybe he's figuring it out finally.
2: Yeah, I've always been intrigued by him. Obviously, the Velocity is a pro, 95-plus for the majority of his career. Um, I definitely think he's an ad. I, I mean, he probably was drafted more likely, um, but you know, 15 strikeouts and his two starts combined is, is really nice. And also, the you know, Baseball HQ does this uh, PQS kind of formula for each each pitcher starts, and um, that's kind of what I cover in the daily matchups column with them. And both of his starts to date have been kind of, supported on based on the underlying metrics as well i mean his first start against philly where he gave up two home runs wasn't awesome but his last start against washington was superb you know and i i don't think that he's going to be a pitcher that we can rely on as like a starting pitcher two or three for us but right now the underlying metrics support his current era 261 and mind you it's only two starts it's only a small sample size but decent swing strike rate should be able to curtail that into at least I I don't think he's a 13 strikeout per nine guy, but probably more of like a a nine or eight and a half, which is what he's been throughout his career. Excuse me. But overall, I think that he's a pretty solid starter. I think he'll end up being a a starting pitcher five for you in mixed leagues, which is definitely better than you saw or were planning on getting from him, you know, prior to the season starting, the innings might be a little bit, um, you know, kind of softer compared to other starters in that range. Like, I think 160 to 170 innings is probably what you can't expect from him, just because he has had control problems in the past. But overall, I like the profile. I think that he may be on the verge of having like a somewhat breakout this year, and probably is easily attainable because nobody's really looking at it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm really getting close to finally biting on that hook with him. It, it, he looked really good from what I, when I was watching him pitch. Uh, let's talk Mike Miner for the Rangers. You know, coming out of the bullpen, he was at Kansas City's bullpen last year after missing two seasons of injuries. So only through 77 two-thirds innings last year. He's in the starting rotation. Looked pretty good for the most part to start the year. Um, and he's kind of one of the, the big names being talked about here. But I'm concerned, A, how his longevity is going to be, and B, how long are the seasons going to pitch innings like this. What's your take on Mike Miner right now?
2: Well, my take on Miner is I understand there's all these injury caveats with him and the fact that we haven't seen him start. Consistently for was it uh, three years now somewhere in that vicinity is is certainly a worry, but his changeup is flat out nasty. Um, he I, I've watched all of his or both his starts to to this point this year and he likes to work high in the zone and then he drops that changeup on you. He's doing really well with it. 25% whiff rate on the changeup right now. He throws three consistent pitches. He mixes it in with a fastball and a slider. Um the velocity isn't amazing. It's like 92 miles an hour and last year out of the bullpen he was at about 94 to 95. But again, I don't really care about that because you know like we talked about before, it's not really a big difference from last year. Last year in April he was averaging 93, but he was coming out of the bullpen, so you obviously have a little bit less uh, or you can give more effort because you're going less innings right now. 92 a tick down. I'm not worried about it, but I really like minor. I know he doesn't pitch for a great team. Um, his ERA probably will be in the four region when it's all said and done. Um, but I, I do think that he's good enough at kind of keeping the ball in the park. Good enough with strikeouts has three really solid pitches that he's usable. Um, I, again, he's not, he's probably a shade below Fultonovich right now for me, because I do think Fulton will end up, uh, you know, having somewhat of a breakout this year, but minor is pretty solid. And again, a guy that really nobody wanted because of the team he plays for worried about injuries and in a sorry pitching deprived fantasy landscape, I think he could really help. Nice.
1: Um, Tyler Molley rookie for the Cincinnati Reds. Great first start. A lot of people were like, Oh, watch out. He was just painting corners and this, that, and the other. Then he kind of got beat up in his second start. But to me, it's a rookie in Cincinnati and had a good spring. He was one of their higher end prospects for the most part. Um, What's your thoughts on Molly this year? Is he worth a grab or do you think it's going to be a rocky road?
2: Um, I think we're going to have a rocky road with him. And it's not to say that I don't think his upside is fair because throughout the minors, he's just flat consistent, consistent with his pitches, consistent with his delivery, um, I think a lot of people were pegging him as like a number three type starter in the major leagues a couple of years ago, really. And I think that that is a safe floor for him. My issue is I don't think that the strikeout upside is that high. Um, he he does like to paint the corners with his fastball, and that's probably his best attribute, honestly, to this point. Um, he does need to work on his changeup. I don't think it's a plus plus pitch by any means. Um, and I, he really doesn't have a breaker that I'm in love with either. He has a slider, but I'm not in love with it. It almost moves almost more like a cutter. So until he really develops a second offering that can really get guys out he's more of a guy that's going to induce soft contacts going to have to really paint the corners to be serviceable for fancy and I, it, there's just too much room for error for me to have somebody like that um c- like just consistently be thrown out there on my roster so Gives up a lot of fly balls, too. That's a worry. I think that the home runs will probably be high for this year. This obviously is his rookie year, and you know, even though he's 23 and he's fairly polished, I think that we're going to see a lot of ups and downs with him. I'm projecting him to have higher than a four ERA and to more than likely um, get uh, beaten up by home runs a good amount. So I'm not in love with Molly, but that's not to say I don't think he can be serviceable. I just think you're going to have to pick and choose your spots. Okay,
1: so kind of a spot starter week-to-week thing. Yeah. he, does it. He, he meets that peripheral or he's going to be some good stuff. will be there uh, indeed. Uh, Tyson Ross, once with the Padres, went to Texas, back with the Padres, had thoracic outlet surgery, I believe I read, which I didn't think, think he had because he's pitched every year. But um, he's been really good. He had a good spring, and um, the ERA is a bit high this year, but he's got the job done. The strikeouts are back. His movement's back. And another one of those pickups people are running with this year. What's your take on Tyson Ross?
2: Uh, Things I like heavy ground ball tilts throughout his career. I like that first pitch strike rate has bumped up over two starts this year to 58% back in his heyday when he was do, doing fairly well back in 2015, really <laughs> um, he had a 58% first pitch strike rate always had problems with command or control. Um, getting walks is it has always been an issue with him right now. He's at 2.3 walks per nine over two starts. I think that that's going to consider uh, jump considerably as the season wears on. I think he's a back end starter and at, at best really the, the best, Attribute again about him is his ground ball rate, which may be able to lift his strand rate or left on base rate to where his ERA doesn't reflect what his, you know, xFIP or expected ERA is supposed to be. But his strikeout stuff is not there anymore, um, at least over two starts, and maybe he will improve that. But they really just kind of need stopgap options in San Diego. And I think Ross kind of provides that for them. But he by no means is back to me. I think that he's back at like 60% of what he was back in 2015. And even then he was a double digit roto dollar earner, but not somebody that we were really like ecstatic about the fact that he um, was able to get that value was partially due to the innings that he threw. And I don't think he has any chance of getting to 200 innings at all this year. So um, really kind of a back end guy in deeper formats for me. And that's about it.
1: Yeah, I was surprised by the love I saw going his direction because I remember being on the bandwagon when he was healthy, but once he started getting banged up and moving around, I lost a lot of interest there. Kyle Gibson. I know this guy's been talked about over and over and over again in a lot of fields, but it's either you're in the camp or you want nothing to do with him and you're outside with pitchforks. Um, Kyle Gibson, Just I don't need to explain him too much to people, but he's off to a – really good start this year in his first two starts really good. And the strikeouts, he's almost got a K per nine, which has always been a, a bugaboo with Gibson. And in the second half last year, he was great. His strikeouts went up. ERA was low. Are you a believer in Kyle Gibson? or Are you going to be one of the many that still say there's no way this is possible?
2: <laughs> well, I believe in Kyle Gibson. I, um, I've never really mm-hmm. been somebody that's like, like Justin Mace is insanely high on him and he always has been, but I, uh, I think that he is possibly figuring some things out. This year over the course of you know two starts, he's starting to throw he threw his curveball more in twenty seventeen. And now he's kind of ridden that success into this year. So right now he's a four pitch pitcher. He has a change up curveball, sinker and four seamer. Um I, I just I think that he might be able to use that to his advantage and keep hitters off balance. The slider uh, or the changeup, I'm sorry, and the curve or the guy are the pitches that are getting the most whiffs for him right now. And they're considerable 20% or more on both of them. I really like that. Uh, the fact that he faced Baltimore and Seattle, not amazing offenses, but you know, was able to do well against them. I don't, I don't know, man. I think that he might be able to kind of figure things out His swing strike rates up. Um, he is going to walk some guys. Cause that's the way he's always been. And his first pitch strike rate really reflects that even right now over two starts this year. But I think somewhere in the vicinity of like a 3-8 ERA with decent strikeout numbers, like 7.5 to 8.5 per nine, probably decent high whip at that point. But, um, you know, some wins since he plays on the Twins team, that's pretty good. Um, I I think that's probably what you can expect, and that's more than you could have expected prior to draft season. So I I like him.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you're in the camp with me. I've I've held on to him in a dynasty league for too many years, to be honest about, without getting laughed at. Because I always thought, because people forget, at one time he was a top pick of the Twins. Like this was what he was supposed to be a long time ago. But he's finally getting there. Um, Last guy we'll talk about here, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Nice, nice, solid lefty. Made his first start, a rocky one at that, coming back from the disabled list. Um, He showed really good signs of developing a new, you know, quality starts. He's going to be a good back end of the rotation guy what's your take on him in uh, 2018
2: the pro is i think he might have finally corrected this knee issue that's been playing him seemingly forever at this point it's been just a, a real problem for this whole knee problem and uh i i mean he's somebody that i like i i always have i like his repertoire i like the way that he kind of is a decent presence on the mound um if I'm projecting it out, I would say that he's a safe bet for 130 innings, not safe, but he's a bet for 130 innings this year, uh, barring any other injuries. But if he doesn't have problems, then maybe we see him go 150, 160 innings. And that, that will be a little bit more serviceable. I, his swing strike rate has been great. The last couple of years, he has the stuff to consistently put up like nine, 10, 11 strikeout per nine numbers, which is obviously what we're looking for in fantasy, more of a fly ball guy, which will probably translate to more home runs given up. But at the end of the day, you know, a four-ish ERA guy that's going to strike out nine to ten per nine, I'm, I'm kind of signed up for that. Plays for a good team, probably going to get some wins. The whip will probably be high, but I, I like Rodriguez, and there's certainly some room to grow. People are probably souring on him at this point because of the injuries, but this might actually – find. he's only 25. This might finally be the year where he maybe keeps things a bit durable for an entire season.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm a big Rodriguez guy, and you could get him really late in drafts, and heck, he's on some waiver wires right now, so I got no problem putting in some moves on him. Uh, let's talk bullpens real quick, and literally we'll make this like give me your Twitter verse answer, 140 uh-huh. characters on this. Um, just a couple of bullpens, where there's some massive question marks. Start with the Angels. Blake Parker has not had the best spring or start to the season. We know Kenyon Middleton's been the, the name of names you got to save over the weekend. You do have Jim Johnson. You do have Cam Bedrosian. If you had, if
2: you have to have one, who do you think it is, and who's option B? That's all I want to know. Right now, I'm going Middleton and then Parker, but it's Socha, so good luck.
1: Exactly. That's the biggest – that's the most important part of that answer. It's Socha. <laughs> um, the Brewers, we know Corey Knabel is out for a long time. That hamstring injury looked really, really bad. Um, Jacob Barnes got the first chance. It's so funny. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts because I work out of my truck all day, and it, d- it depended on who you listen to. It was either – it was his defense's fault, or Barnes was horrible. There was two complete. There's two crowds on that blown save. Um, so yeah, and and he seems to be the best option. Barnes, Jeffers, Albers. I'm gonna throw Hader in there, even though we know he's gonna be more Davinsky type this year. So who's your A and who's your B in Milwaukee?
2: A is Barnes slightly. His skills have not been good thus far. So right now he has not been the best pitcher in there. Really, it should be Hater. But the fact that they only have Dan Jennings behind him as a lefty in the bullpen, they would have to probably slide Jennings up to a more high leverage role, and they probably don't want to do that. But they have to date. Um, Hader and Jennings both have have pitched in high leverage situations for them. So uh, it's not off the table. I I still think Hader should be owned above any of these other relievers. Um, But, yeah, right now I think Barnes is the guy, A, and then after that probably – uh, Albers, just because he has also been you know, put in high leverage situations as well. But uh, skills wise, Hater's the guy. I'm going with Hater.
1: Yeah, Hater's a guy drafted in a few 15 teamers, thinking at worst ratio wise, but at best he finds that closer's role. So that'd be outstanding. Cardinals, Mr. Matt Thompson's team. Yeah. Um, Greg Holland obviously is activated and with the club, should be the closer. Bud Norris got a, close, a save over the weekend. You have Luke Gregerson coming back from injury soon. Dominic Leone, I love his stuff. He didn't really handle the role that great. Then you have the flamethrower Jordan Hicks, who is throwing harder than almost anybody in baseball right now. Um, outside of Greg Holland, who's your A and B after him? Because he's going to get the job, I would, unless I'm missing something here. Who's your A and B after Holland when Holland eventually screws up?
2: Yeah, yeah, if Holland doesn't have the job, then that's not a very uh, well spent fourteen mil. But exactly. uh, I'm still gonna hold Dominic Leone to any mm-hmm. roster that I have him because Holland was not great. He wasn't. He wasn't a good pitcher the last half of of 2017. So. There's a very – it's very possible that Holland ends up getting screwed and or screwing up at least, and we see somebody like Leon get back into the closer role. But Leon and Hicks are the guys I want at his bullpen outside of Holland. I, Norris, I think, just was given the shot because of the certain day or whatever the situation was. Lions I don't believe in to take the role at any point. I think Hicks and Leon present the highest possible upside, and those are the type of middle relief arms you want if you aren't getting saved, so I like both of them.
1: Yeah, that's two guys they have on a lot of teams. So I'm with you there. Uh, last one, Kenley Jansen. I already kind of briefly mentioned everyone's panic mode. He pitched really well over the weekend. Things are fine in my world with him, but everyone's going to still talk about it. Josh Fields is back from a paternity leave and he's the, the popular name. Is that the guy you want just in case or is there someone else we're missing in L.A.?
2: Uh, Scott Alexander is also a trendy name. I think it's it's pretty simple though. Fields is the guy behind Jansen, so if you do own Jansen, or even if you don't, Fields is worth a. a- ago right now. His skills have been great to date. Um, Singrani's been really good back there too, but I don't think that they would ever put him in the closer role. Um, But I mean, remember he did get some closing experience with Cincinnati. So it's not really out of the realm of possibility. And that's a name that nobody is talking about as well. Also pitches in higher leverage situations than Alexander by a a pretty significant margin. So Singrani in like deep, deep formats, like the ones that I like to plan or your 40 team NL only's out there. I mean, you can go with Singrani, but uh, Feels is probably the guy as of right now. Jansen, I'm I'm not gonna say I'm not worried about him because I, there is a tinge of concern, but at the same time, I think he's really his velocity was up his last outing at least, um, and and things looked good, so I, I'm I, I still am staying steadfast with Jansen.
1: Yeah, that's how I feel about it. But uh, the Sengrani one is very interesting to keep an eye on because he did close in Cincinnati. He has shown the ability to pitch in those situations. I just see the Dodgers using him as like their next JP Howler. He's our, our lefty guy that can go an inning or two if we need him to kite guy. Sure. But uh, we'll see about that. Well, all right, Mike. That was good. I appreciate it, man. Um let everybody know what you're working on and what you got coming up this week.
2: Yeah, it was fun coming on, man. I appreciate you having me. I do multiple columns. So daily matchups column for Baseball HQ comes out on Mondays today, actually when we're recording. Um, I also do a, the bullpen report for Fangraphs. That comes out on Sundays. Um, and I also do the Roto Write-Up for Fangraphs, which comes out on Fridays and Saturdays. So I'm keeping busy. We do podcasts and everything at Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Um, I haven't done a lot of writing there recently just because I've been busy in other outlets. But um, podcast-wise, I'll usually get on there a couple times a month and uh, we have a great team over at Friends Fantasy Benefits.com. So check it all out. We have every kind of format and league that you might imagine um, covered. So check it all out.
1: Yeah. No, you guys have really expanded things over there that covers so many things that you guys already were, but now you don't have to do it all. Yeah. So it helped, it, it makes it a little easier. But, yeah, you got quite the group coming together there. So check Mike out on Twitter at MikeWernerFWFB and all the work he does. Really, really good stuff as always. But, uh, Mike, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank Bench with Bubba, episode 85 in the books. Catch you guys next time.